Hi, everybody. Welcome to the first episode of Holy Shit History. I'm your host, Sean Reyes, and today we're going to be talking about the repatriation of Native American artifacts and grave goods and the centuries-old policies that have underwritten legislation, rendering them more or less ineffective. Stay tuned, and I hope you're ready to take notes. Now, as first-time listeners, I'm sure you're all very excited to listen to me talk about the nuanced history of Native American tribes and their relationship with the federal United States government. Spoiler alert, it is not fun, it is sad, dark, and depressing, so in lieu of a comprehensive 40-hour podcast, I will leave you with these brief facts that will contextualize, contextualize the rest of the episode. Fact number one, in the late 19th century, the U.S. government rescinded recognition of indigenous tribes, or sorry, tribal entities within the United States. Fact number two, in 1980, the United States government then rescinded that decision, granting recognition to indigenous tribes here in the United States. Fact number three, three, sorry, nine years later in 1989, we see the first legislation being signed into law, which guarantees um, legal recourse for the repatriation of artifacts, not only to Native Americans, but to other um, foreign individuals and entities as well. Now, the reason the United States decided to cease recognition of tribes in the late 19th century is because of a very terrible implicit policy of wait and see. So at the time, it was generally assumed that the remnants of tribes in the United States would simply assimilate and become part of the greater white culture in the United States. This is part of the reason why recognition for the tribes was revoked as a way to, we'll say, um, spur their assimilation into white culture. From there, we can fast forward a hundred years and we see the federal government recognizing indigenous tribes as sovereign entities for the first time in a century, and also legislation that um, allows for these tribes to get back items, particularly grave goods, which had been looted and stolen for the past several centuries. A quick edit here, I realized I forgot to mention specifically the legislation I'll be talking about and focusing on, and that is the American Graves Protection and Repatriation Act, which I'll just refer to as NAGPRA from now on. NAGPRA was signed into law in 91 under former President uh, Bush Sr. And in a lot of ways was a piece of landmark legislation, as we'll see in a little bit. Though, as landmark as this legislation was, it still relied on this implicit policy of wait and see, which is why 
even after going on 30 years after this was signed into law under former President George Bush Sr., there still remains hundreds of thousands of artifacts collecting dust in museum archives and institutional museums such as the Smithsonian. Um, there have been some notable success stories when it comes to repatriation, though unfortunately it hasn't been the museum or heritage institutions that take the initiative for repatriation. The most successful examples I've been able to find through my research usually involve individuals or nonprofit organizations working on behalf or as an advocate for specific tribes to essentially bring suit against museums for failing to um, failing to abide by um, legislative mandates to return um, looted artifacts. One such nonprofit that's been particularly successful in the last 30 years is called Sea Alaska Heritage Institute. Now, they represent the collective interests of three distinct tribes in southeast Alaska. And not only do they represent the tribe's legal interests as far as repatriating artifacts that fall under um, federal and state legislation, but they also support and advocate for and sponsor legislation itself to um, benefit the, um, the tribes they represent. This is supported by another example that I was able to find that in 2005, the Italian government brought suit against um, the J. Paul Getty Museum for antiques laundering. Um, apparently, the museum was in possession of several artifacts that had uh, come into the possession of someone um, at the end of World War II and had been essentially bouncing around from museum to museum for almost 70 years up to that point the Italian government using legislation that the United States had passed guaranteeing the repatriation of artifacts brought suit and American courts found in favor of the Italian government what's interesting is within three months of this um, litigation being announced two other high-profile institutions, including the Metropolitan Museum of Art and the Princeton Art Museum, surrendered several artifacts to the Italian government that had also been um, looted at the end of World War II. And so this provides an interesting example to work to, to show in tandem with the work of the Sea Alaska Heritage Institute is that the most successful cases of repatriation usually involve the work of an outside source using legislation like the Native Americans Protection Grave Goods Act as a tool rather than the legislation being the end-all and be-all of repatriation. So here we come down to it. After all my research, including an interview with the former head archivist at George Fox University, I find that the most successful cases of repatriation for indigenous artifacts is when 
non-governmental organizations get involved to utilize legislation which has already been passed. Now, new legislation is being suggested right now in the state of California. Um, it's being proposed by Senator Dodd of Napa Valley. And this new legislation essentially would force California state universities to allocate funds for the repatriation process. The, the idea being that institutions and school archives and museums um, like the ones in California have neglected to act on larger federal legislation. And so state legislators are now trying to uh, fill the gap left in by federal legislation. Ultimately, this new legislation is still going to be based on a wait-and-see policy. One alternative for um, additional legislation, which, if based in the same wait-and-see policy, will probably be ineffective, is education and grants. Through my interview with Rachel Thomas, the former archivist at George Fox University, I learned that the largest problem, particularly universities and other colleges, college institutions face, is a lack of a lack of training, lack of even education, or lack of even fundamental knowledge of legislation and what falls under this legislation. And so again, this illustrates the failure of this legislation because it's based on this wait-and-see policy rather than a policy of empowerment. So a more effective alternative would be perhaps a wider availability of grants for indigenous tribes and nonprofit organizations to seek repatriation to implement even in a trial run um, programs within universities that specifically teach repatriation practices and um, educate students on legislation this would create a new standard for the future and allow students within those universities to implement what they're learning at the universities themselves if say a college like the university of california at chico which has six thousand artifacts which need to be available for repatriation began a new educational program maybe a certificate program that taught students about repatriation practices and the legislation involved in these underlying implicit policies which affect um, legislation to this day we may see over time um, a more effective policy of empowering individuals to um, to begin the repatriation process in earnest. Thanks for listening. I'm Sean Reyes.
Hi, everybody. Uh, thanks again for listening. I know for my presentation, I took a little different approach. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, I realize that the amount of information for this particular um, analysis uh, could create an hours-long podcast. The professor and I actually joked that this subject was more of like a doctoral thesis um, research project. Um, and I think <laughs> that's definitely true. So I tried to condense it as much as I could. But if you'd like to know more, um, I include a lot more information in my paper. I'm also going to add a short, a small PDF file with some brief highlights uh, just to kind of go through for reference um, while you're listening. Again, thank you so much.